Good morning. How are you, church? Good? Good. Isn't God a great God? I'm so excited to be here today because there's no place I'd be rather be on Sunday than in God's house fellowshipping with other believers. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, good. It's good to see you. If you're a first-time guest, we're so excited to have you at North Star Church. North Star Church is a place where everybody is welcome. Nobody is perfect. Um, you, you so disappoint me. And anything is possible. Let's do it again. All right. I, I guess the pausing threw you off. North Star is a place where everybody's welcome. Nobody is perfect. And anything is possible. Amen and amen. We exist as a church, in case you're wondering, if you're a first-time person at North Star, this is why we exist as a church, so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. Religion will not, will not do it. Uh, works will not do it. Only the transforming power of Jesus Christ, come on, will change a person's life. So that's why we exist as a church. Amen? Give God another praise clap. We welcome those that are joining us online. And moments ago, we went live at our Tupelo campus. Make some noise for those guys over there. We're excited. We're excited. I'm excited about both of our campuses. I was over at the Tupelo campus last week. What a tremendous group of volunteers over there and staff. And the same is true for the Saltillo campus. We're blessed as a church to have all of the volunteers uh, that we have church-wide. Thank you for, for being a part of what God is, is doing. We're real people at a relevant church who connect people to a growing relationship with Christ and each other in order to fulfill their life purpose. It's all about connecting. About 11 years ago, and by the way, our church will be 11 years old uh, Easter Sunday, April the 16th. Yeah, so what? So what? Big deal. <laughs> really? Isn't that a great thing? We're going to be 11 years old. I'm excited about that. Almost 11 years ago, our leadership team spent a whole afternoon hammering out that statement. We're real people at a relevant church who connect people to a growing relationship with Christ and others in order to fulfill their life purpose. One part of that statement didn't make it in, but I like to say it. Real people at a relevant church that connect people to a growing relationship with Christ and others in order to fulfill their life purpose and then reproduce themselves. That's why it's in our very DNA as a church to reproduce. It's, it's in our DNA. We, we set out at the very beginning to... Uh, plant our first church by the end of our third year. And guess what? We did. North Star planted a church in Huntsville. And we're a part of planting a church right now in New Orleans. Pastor Troy Goss, cross-culture community church there in New Orleans. So we're pumped about that. We're pumped about being the church that God wants us to be. So 
glad that you're here today. We're in a study or series called Ephesians, Healthy uh, Doctrines, Healthy Disciples. We believe that when you get healthy in the Word that you begin to be healthy in the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? And so today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read together in Ephesians chapter 1. Last week, we just like did a, um, a flyover of the Christian faith, 30,000 feet, 600 miles an hour, and we did like a, a, a pano, a panoramic view of the book of Ephesians, and the, the, the entire book of Ephesians is like a panoramic of the Christian life. So the study that we're going to be in forever, how long it's going to take, I've already decided, by the way, uh, we plan our series out weeks and months, usually in advance, and I, I have discovered as I prepared the messages for this series that um, I'm not going to be able to finish during this series. So I'm going to come back at a later date. I don't know how long the series lasts. I know it lasts till Easter, for crying out loud. But we're going to come out. We're going to come back later, I think, and I'm going to hit some of the powerhouses verse powerhouse verses from the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, uh, take them and turn to chapter 1. We're going to dive into Ephesians chapter 1, written to a Jesus community in the Asia, Asian province of Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, if you're new to North Star, I usually don't read like I'm about to read, but I'm going to do this on purpose today. Are you with me? So I'm not always like this. Sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. But I'm going to read it with a, at a briskly rate. So if you're not listening, if you're ADD and on me, you're going to miss out half of it because I'm fixing to read. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us, he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he hath freely given us in the one who he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth unto Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in community where the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal and the promise of the spirit who with who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory 
For this reason, ever since I heard about you, your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all people, for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I kept asking that the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and pointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Now, there's a reason that I, uh-oh, there's a reason that, um, that I read that the way that I did. Because verses 3 through 14 in the original Greek language is one sentence. So Paul was writing to the young believers at Ephesus almost breathlessly, passionately, He couldn't say it, he couldn't write it fast enough because in one sentence, all of these verses, Paul was targeting the Ephesian believers. He wrote with such passion in 60 AD. He wrote because he knew what God was doing to them and what God was going to do through them. You see, Paul knew that as he wrote this letter, to the Ephesians. He knew that they were going to read it in their group, in their community of believers. But Paul had every intention, now get this part, Paul had every intention that this letter would be circulated throughout Asia. Ephesus is modern-day Turkey, if you're wondering where Ephesus is. It's modern-day Turkey. And so as Paul wrote this letter breathlessly, All of these words, he was passionately saying these things to these believers. Little did they know, even though the Jesus community was pretty good size, little did they know how the community, the church of faith, was going to grow in the months and years to come. Because it would soon become the hub of evangelizing all of Asia. The Jesus community had grown such to the point that excavators discovered a 24,000-seat theater in the city of Ephesus that the Christ followers would soon fill and come together and worship the living God. Amen. So Paul was writing. It was a very, Ephesus, a very mystical city. Ephesus was a very spiritual city, not not spiritual, even though the the Jesus community was growing, it was a very spiritual city. But they did not, the culture and the people did not worship God, the living God, but they worshiped the goddess Diana, her counterpart Artemis, and there was 
a, a great temple called the Artemis Temple, and they worshiped Diana, little g God. Paul said, no longer will the word God and Diana ever be in the same sentence. Paul said, now that you have given your hearts to Christ, you have freedom, you have hope, you have fulfillment. How many know what it's like to be able to get up in the morning and if you're still breathing, your feet hit the floor, and you're able to know in Jesus Christ that you have been forgiven? How many know what it's like when the difficulties come and the circumstances seem difficult that in Christ Jesus we have hope and in Christ Jesus we have a future. Paul said to the Ephesian believers, he said, no longer do you have to be held under captive under the goddess Diana tactics of fear and bondage. Paul said, in Christ, we have freedom. Verse 1, he says, Paul, the apostle Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, a word that they did not understand, a word that in their worship of Diana they did not have peace be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ and so here this non-Jew group of people who knew very little of the historical Israel and the historical God of creation now had come from the darkness into the light. Some of you who are listening today at both of our campuses and online, it is God's will for you to come out of the darkness into the light. And when you do, you receive that peace and you receive that forgiveness. And, and uh, that's pretty awesome. Amen. Okay, well, I'm done. So, not, not really. I'm just getting started. There's a couple of things. You know, preachers, when they say a couple, they mean four, but I've really got a couple today, all right? So don't, don't miss these. The first one that this passage tells us is that it transcends uh, the Ephesian believers, and it's a word for us. That's what I love about the Bible. That's what I love about it. It's preaching. They taught us in, in graduate school that preaching is taking the word from the then and bringing it into the now. So you didn't even know that. You just thought preachers get up here and spit and stomp around and try to sound good. No, man, preaching, it's a... There's something spiritual about it. It's, it's biblical. It's, it's, a, it's, it's from God, and it's bringing the, the Scripture from the then when Paul wrote it in 60 A.D. To the, to the church that was at Ephesus, and it's bringing it to us. And the Word, just as the, Paul knew that it would be circulated throughout Asia, little did he know that it was going to be circulated 
in Tupelo and in South Tillo. Come on, Terry, that's good stuff, man. And so the first thing I want you to know is that God has big plans for his church. How many know that God has big plans for North Star Church? How many know that? Don't flirt with it if you know it. God has big plans for our church. It's not just the church at Ephesus. And he, listen, Ephesus was a harbor city. Very spiritual and mystical. And then people started coming to Christ and getting saved. And the church grew exponentially. That tells me that God has great plans for his church. We're not better than any other church. I just believe that God has great plans for our church. That's why we say, hey, bring people. Maybe you're here at our campuses today because somebody brought you or invited you. We often say, you bring them, you invite them, we'll tell them. You, you invite them, we'll tell them. Okay, that's fair enough. But let me give you a disclaimer. Just because you invite them doesn't let you off the hook from telling them. I think I, I can't tell somebody about Jesus, but I can sure invite them. God bless you. Please do that. But then be discipled and learn how you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Is anybody feeling what I'm saying today? I feel like preaching today now. If you don't want to amen, just suit yourself. I will amen. I did a study, and God put a vision on my heart, and I cast this vision to our church. There are 168,000 people in a four-county radius, just four counties. I could have went to five or six, but in four, a four-county radius of, 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 of North Star, there are 168,000 people. Statistics tell us, and our research and studies have produced this result, that only 10% of the people in our four-county area attend church on a regular basis. That's 16,800 people who attend church on a regular basis. They're in church right now, just like you. Look around. You're one of them. But if you subtract 16,800 from, 100, from 168,000, that leaves 151,200 people who are not sitting in church today. They might occasionally attend on Easter Sunday. That's why we put a lot of emphasis on Easter. Because we know that people who might not go any other time of the year will show up on Easter. In fact, overwhelming percentage of people who do not attend church said that they would go if somebody would invite them. So that's why our vision is to reach 1% by 2021. 1% doesn't sound like a lot to me. It's 1,510 people. I, when I came up with those figures, I thought, man, this is like skimpy. This is like a small goal to reach by 2021. But I'm telling you today, on the authority of God's Word and from the book of Ephesians, inspired by God to Paul to write, that God has big plans for our church. 
And it involves you and it involves me getting the gospel message out. Are you with me so far? I believe as these Ephesian believers, as the group began to grow, that God was, God began uh, hammering home, getting their attention. And so I believe this, I believe maybe God is trying to get our attention through this letter, through this study of Ephesians, so that we would become passionate about reaching the unchurched and the lost people in our region. I really believe that. I really believe that God wants to spark something in you, sir. That we don't just go through the motions. I'm telling you today that we cannot waste the time. There is no time to waste. Being a church that's just going through the motions, self-centered, all about me, selfie church. That's what we should call it. Selfie church is when nobody likes anything. I'm glad, thank God, that I'm not part of a church like that, but we stand on the corridor. We stand in the shadows of becoming a self-satisfying, self-centered, and selfish church when it's all about us. I've heard people even say, even since North Star, oh, we talk a lot about, about those people. What about us? What about us? Well, get your self into the Word and quit asking me to spoon feed you. Son, that was a good one. We live in such an entitlement society and culture. I'm entitled to this. If I pay my tithes, oh, man, who are you talking about? God has called us. He wants us to be passionate. Maybe he's trying to get our attention so that we'll be more passionate about reaching the unreached, the unchurched. Put it back on the screen. I want you to write that down, that God is trying to get our attention. So we'll be the church that takes the gospel. Well, what about discipleship? Well, what about it? Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. I'm all about it. But we cannot say we'll evangelize and we won't disciple or that we'll disciple and we won't evangelize. I believe that God wants to stir within us to become passionate about reaching the lost. In fact, write this one down. God wants to work through you. God wants to work through you. Look, it's not the pastor's job, the staff's job. It's our job. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, and you shall receive power after this the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in all of Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth or the ends of the earth. God wants to work through you.
I look forward to the Sunday and the, the following Sundays that I walk out and there's standing room only. Not because the band or the praise team was so good, and they are. Not because the preaching is so eloquent, and it is. But because God's people, you and I, got passionate about the call that he has put on our life to reach people for Jesus Christ. Paul writes in verse 15, by the way, verse 15, verses 3 through 14 was one sentence in Greek. It was like, like a kid coming home from camp and, and talking nonstop, and you're trying to process everything that they're saying, but they're talking so fast to tell you about their camp experience. Paul was so passionate as he wrote this, but in Verse 15, after verse 14, beginning with verse 15, it's almost like he went, now. It's like he took a breath. And he says, for, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, and it's like he slowed down. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for all God's people, man, he said, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. It would be like me coming back from the Philippines and, or Haiti or Africa or Costa Rica or India or China and coming back. It, it would be like me coming and standing up here and saying, man, let me tell you what's happening at Cross Culture Community Church. Let me tell you what God is doing. People getting saved. People getting right. It'd be like me coming back to you, church, and saying, hey, man, listen, look at all of these people that have given their heart to Christ. Look at these churches that we've started. Look at this. And you would clap and you'd celebrate. That's what Paul was saying. He said, I'm, I'm thanking God for you. I'm thanking God for you. I know this. You may be thinking, Terry, you seem to be passionate about this uh, reaching people thing. Uh, duh. Yeah, I am. Because this, I believe that God has inserted us. He has inserted you into his, his sovereign plan. I'm thinking I could read the Bible and say, uh, I, I could read about anything, anybody else, but God has inserted us. What a privilege. We're part of his plan. Paul said, I'm, I'm praying for you guys. I'm, I'm praying for you. You know, one of the problems that we experience in evangelism is that we, we plan things, we try to strategize and I'm going to be telling you some, giving you some suggestions later about how we can reach 1%, 1,510 people by 2021. But you know what we need to do? Before we approach people with the gospel, 
we need to spend some time praying for them. Before we approach people, we need to spend time praying for those people. Here's a tough question. How long have you spent this week praying for the lost? Wow. I feel convicted asking the question. How many people have you been praying for? Well, I've been busy. I've, been, I've got this job, you know, and I've got a family. The sad thing is some of those lost people work in the cubicle next to you. Some of those lost people live under the same roof as you. Some of those lost people are in, uh, down the street from you. How long, when have we prayed for those people? Paul said in verse 17, uh, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Which leads me to say the second thing. I told you I only had two. This is it. If you're disappointed, come back next week and I'll have three. The first one, in case you missed it, God has big plans for his church. The second one is that God wants us to know him better. He wants, if you're not a Christ follower, he wants you to know him, but then he wants you to know him better. It's like if I sent you a text like after the service today and said, uh, I pray that uh, you would know him better, that you would have a a deeper awareness of God. You would be like, Pastor, um, what's up with that? What's up with that? What do you mean by that? I would say, uh, I don't know. I read it in the Bible. But now, if I said, Hey, I'm praying for you that God would richly bless you and that you'd get out of debt and you'd get a new car and, and a new house, you would say, Wow, man, that's my pastor. That's what I'm talking about. But that's not what Paul did. Paul said, I am praying that you would have a deeper awareness of who God is. So write that in your notes. It is a, it is a deep and profound awareness of God. A deep and profound awareness of God. I'm telling you, whether you like it or not, that's what I'm praying for for you. I pray the same thing, that you would have a, a divine revelation, a deeper and profound awareness of who God is. You see, if you have no awareness of who God is, your circumstances can be going like south, and um, you get disillusioned. If you don't have a deeper awareness of who God is, things can really go bad in your life, and and you get, like, bitter and disillusioned. But on the other hand, if your circumstances in life are going good, you become indifferent. You don't need God. That's why a lot of people say, yeah, thanks, thanks for the invite, but Sunday's my only day off. And uh, things are clicking on all cylinders right now. You know, why fix it if it ain't broke? And I'm, I'm just going to I do church at home, by the way. That's the biggest lie 
seriously? How do you do church at home and you're not around believers? Well, my kids are believers. Well, let's praise God for that. That's one good thing you've said. But we need each other. We can't do life alone. That's another sermon. Um, where was a, our, we get indifferent. We don't need God. Paul, on the other hand, had transcended circumstantial stuff. He could be praying, oh God, help their circumstances to get better, these poor Ephesian believers. And they would have, it would have tickled their ears. It would have made them feel good and feel important. But he transcended the circumstantial stuff to pray for what would prepare them for all of life's circumstances. Rather than pray that their circumstances get better. He, he had teaching. He said, if you have a deeper revelation of who God is, that God, let me just tell you who God is. All right, are you ready? He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Mm -hmm. He is the one that said, uh, I know that all things work together for the good for those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Let me tell you who God is. He's a God who uh, forgives us. He's a God who heals us. He is a God that provides for us. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Mm. That's who my God is. And as I get a deeper awareness of God, Paul started praying for them that they would have a deeper and profound awareness of God. And so he transcended all the circumstantial stuff instead of saying, oh God, help them with their problems, help them build a building, help them reach more people, help them clean the stadium at the theater where they're meeting. God, help them have more money. Oh, God, help them with, with this ministry. Instead, he said, God, help them to have a profound and deep awareness of who you are. This is what I know. Write this in your notes. If we know that God is with us, it affects what we do and say. Some of, you, some of you just think church is about God is about church. God, church is about God. And you don't have much God during the week, but you try to squeeze in a little God on the weekend occasionally. If I'm sitting there watching the television with, with my dad and... Uh, this movie and there's this x-rated or extra 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 r-rated scene that comes on i'm gonna i'm just telling you i'm gonna get up i know i'm a man he's a man i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna turn television off my dad would say hey, son what'd you do that for uh <laughs> i feel a little uncomfortable this is unethical it's immoral i'm cutting it off that's the way that we think that we are sometimes with God. We think that God's not really a part of our lives and it doesn't really affect us. I'm telling you something. When God, when Dad is in the room, are you listening? It affects me. It's not that I'm all that Mr. Moral and Mr. Ethical. I'm just not going to watch that with my dad sitting there. You with me? I think, well, I'll watch that later when he ain't here. But guess what? Dad is here. God is riding down the road with you. 
God is in the room. He is there when you're punching, when you're clicking and typing on the computer, when you're going to that website, when you're saying those words. Just because it ain't Sunday, I'm telling you, God's there. And when Jesus is, when God is a part of our lives, it begins to affect us. Let me just give you an example. I don't want to see the same things I used to see. I don't, I'm not comfortable using the kind of language that I used to use. I'm not so anxious to go out with the guys because the lifestyle that they're living doesn't line up with the lifestyle that I'm professing. And so Paul prayed for them. He said, I, I pray that you have a deep, deep awareness of who God is. That's Ephesians chapter 1. Can somebody say amen? amen? Father, thank you for today and thank you for the teaching of your divinely inspired word. And God, I just pray that it'll get in us and that you'll change us. And God, this time next week when we come back to study the book of Ephesians, we'll be better, different people than we were today when we started. Maybe today you realize for the very first time that you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. We don't want you to leave here without the opportunity to say yes to Christ. So if you're ready, if you're willing right now, just say to God, God, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. I believe that Jesus died for my sins on the cross and that he rose again on the third day. I repent. I turn from my sins and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come. Come and live in my heart. I put my trust in you and I follow you today as Savior and Lord. Thank you. Maybe your prayer uh, as a, a Christ follower is, Lord Jesus, today, help me to be more sensitive to the fact that you are in my presence. Maybe your prayer is, Lord, help me to be passionate about reaching the unreached. I'm going to ask that everyone, both campuses, please stand with me, and I just want to pray this prayer over you. And then we're going to listen. Don't slip out because this, this, this closing few, just few moments of worship is so important. And I pray that God would use it to speak to you. Father, in the name of Jesus today, I pray that um, you take this, the service today and the message and this closing song and just seal, do a work, seal it in our hearts, do a work in our lives. God, thank you for meeting us here today. Thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace, and for a deeper awareness of you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name.